We almost died. Multiple times. Ah, yes. Standard operating procedure. Hey, welcome back to Screen Crush. I'm Ryan Airy, and I want to talk about Ahsoka Episode 3, which I think is very promising for the rest of this series. But the episode still has some problems, which I'm going to get into in a little bit. And later, I'm going to be joined by two True Blue Star Wars fans. We have Heather Antos and Matt Singer. But first, here's my take. Let's get this party started. So I was a little mixed on the first two episodes of this show. I mean, they looked great. They featured characters I love, but I thought they were slow paced and bogged down in continuity. And Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka is at times, shall we say, sedated. She's extremely calm, even when a bomb is about to blow up. I'm not sure we have a minute. So even though I didn't think those episodes were great TV, they were fun Star Wars. Like, I just love Star Wars. Star Wars is a good time for me, even if it's like a little bit lazy and contradicts everything I loved about the original trilogy. Somehow Palpatine returned. And by the way, everybody, we have a Somehow Palpatine Returned t-shirt at our merch store, including the Hello There, The Apprentice Lives, Doug as the Child, and of course, the original trilogy t-shirt. We actually designed these shirts ourselves, and the proceeds go to directly support our channel. And guys, thank you so much for watching. Oh, I love you so much. Now, even though I love Star Wars, it doesn't mean that I'm always on board with every creative decision that Lucasfilm makes. Like, with the show Rebels, I never liked the premise that there were Force users in the Rebellion running around right up until the events of A New Hope. When Luke shows up, it should be special. Like, oh my god, a Jedi? Well, you guys have been dead for years. Instead now, it's, oh sweet, another Jedi? What, did, did you know Kanan and Ezra? They were just here. I mean, they fought against Sith Inquisitors and everything. So, like, I was never going to be the guy who stood in line to watch Rebels Season 5. Although, I do love Thrawn, and I am so into the mystery of where he and Ezra are and who they are with. And actually, the mystery is one of the strongest aspects of this show, which I'm going to talk about later. But you got to admit, those first two episodes were just a little bit stiff, and there's a lot of standing around in a room and talking. Like, Ahsoka is very stoic when she's not really like that in either animated series. Remember when I reminded you about the giant wall and you said, don't worry, we won't be anywhere near that. And I'd have to check, but I don't actually think that she and Sabine ever share a scene together in Rebels. So it took me a while to be won over by the new dynamic of their relationship. Like, in the first two episodes, we heard about their relationship a lot. I'm not sure she'll want to help. I don't understand why things have to be so difficult. Well, considering your history, I'd say that's expected. But in episode three, we actually got to see their relationship grow through action in the show. Hey, hold it steady! Remember, learn to anticipate. Now's not the time for a lesson! You're just a little rusty. Overall, I like this episode so much, and it has none of the faults of the first two. But it does have a huge weakness that I want to talk about. You see, there. Hey, guys. Oh my god, what happened to you? Uh, last night I, I went out and I saw that Ninja Turtles movie. Oh yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, I like yeah, that movie. Good movie. Yeah. I like it. It's yeah, it was good. And then, you know, you know Podrick from Game of Thrones? Yeah, of course. Why, was he in the movie? No, 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 he was at the movie. No way! Yeah, and then after we hung out and, you know, he took me to a couple places and uh, I, I had a really good time, but next thing I know this morning I wake up in some lady's sock drawer and she's trying to put me on! I don't know why people keep doing that to me. Dude, that is the craziest story I've ever heard. So how do you feel now? Oh, I I want to die. Yeah, bro, I feel you, but I never feel that bad after a big night out anymore because I started using Z-Biotics. They're the sponsor of this video. So Z-Biotic is a pre-alcohol probiotic that is actually the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Z-Biotics really works. Like I have a regular subscription that brings it to my house every month. So here's how the whole thing works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. Now it is this byproduct and not dehydration that 
that's to blame for your rough next day. So Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break that byproduct down. It is designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it the most. So you take a Zbiotic before you start drinking, and of course, don't be an idiot. Drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep. I'm not kidding about this, guys. I love Zbiotics. I don't drink often, but when I do, it's good to know that I'm going to be able to function the next day. I should have used a Zbiotic. You won't regret it. I highly recommend you try Zbiotics. So go to zbiotics.com slash screencrush or scan the QR code on screen right now to get 15% off your first order when you use the code screencrush at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you are unsatisfied for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash screencrush and use the code screencrush at checkout for 15% off. Thank you to Zbiotics for sponsoring this video. Kill me. So let's talk about Ahsoka and Sabine. Now, Sabine was hands down my favorite character on Rebels. Every time an episode focused on her, the show just came to life. The episode where Kanan teaches her how to use the Darksaber is one of my favorites because it's the one where she has to finally release all of her pent up emotions. I spoke out to save them, to save everyone. But like I said, it was kind of weird that they forced this mentor-mentee relationship onto Sabine and Ahsoka. This was not foreshadowed by Rebels at all. So like Heather said last week, this is kind of like getting season five of a show, but we also like missed a special in there where we got to watch Ahsoka and Sabine train together. So that results in like a lot of exposition last week. She quit on me. Just like I walked away from... Yeah, like at the time, I didn't care about any of this. To me, it seemed like they were adding a new Jedi just to have a new Jedi. But Sabine's arc is different. She is a different kind of... Jedi because she has low force sensitivity. The past few Star Wars projects have introduced all these characters with force readings that were off the charts. We had Anakin, then Ezra, then Rey. So it's nice to have a new learner who kind of sucks at the force. You win this round. It actually makes her relatable to the audience. And in this episode, it was most important that we actually saw her relationship with Ahsoka reflected through their actions. So the dual training sequence showed Sabine's weaknesses as a student that we saw in Rebels. She rushes forward with her emotions, but this also displayed Ahsoka's weaknesses as a teacher. She expects Sabine to submit to her, like she did with Anakin. We even see their trainings paralleled from Tales of the Jedi in the show. Come on, let's go okay. again. Ahsoka is trying to see something of herself in Sabine by repeating the training that Anakin gave her. But in this episode, Ahsoka realizes this method cannot work because fundamentally, Sabine is Mandalorian and Ahsoka is a Jedi. You realize, historically, there have been very few Mandalorians who ever became a Jedi. And Kanan realized this about Sabine years before. Sabine is blocked. Her mind is conflicted. She's so expressive and yet so tightly wound. She's so... Mandalorian. But the space battle was not just a cool action scene with easy to spot Easter eggs like Shen Hati wearing the same communicator as Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. The space battle also moved the characters forward. See, action scenes should never just be cool action scenes. They should put pressure on the characters to grow and learn. It's the difference between this... ...and this. So, in the space battle, the T-6 Jedi shuttle is way outgunned. I mean, these things weren't even originally designed to have weapons. They actually added them during the Clone Wars as a precaution. So, this fight forces Ahsoka to learn and grow, to be a better master. Remember, she is a first-time mentor. She refused to train Ezra, refused to train Grogu, although she did teach Ezra some sparring lessons. What are you doing? Teaching you. And in The Last Jedi, we saw that masters are often more flawed and conflicted than their students. Actually, that clip is depressing. Let's go with this one. We are what they grow beyond. 
So in this battle, Ahsoka had to move in the direction that Sabine needed her to go. I mean, you can ask any coach. You have to shape your plan to your players. I also love that I don't know what's going to happen next. It has been forever since we've had a good Star Wars mystery. I mean, Star Wars started off with great mysteries. Darth Vader, who's the Emperor, what were the Clone Wars? And then gradually over the years, Star Wars started to explain everything and the galaxy got smaller and smaller and smaller. Every character was suddenly related to a Skywalker or a Palpatine. Because you're a Palpatine. So now the sprawling saga really just became about one family. But with the Disney Plus shows, the galaxy feels big again. There's Mandalorians, Night Sisters, another galaxy, the unknown regions, the Knights of Ren, Thrawn. We have no idea what's about to happen. Who are Balin and Shin Hati? Where is Ezra? Who is Merrick? So much fun. And this episode had the member berries. With the blast shield down, I can't even see. Yeah, how am I supposed to fight? The spacewalk was silly, but like fun Star Wars silly. And Hu Yang is a fussy protocol droid sidekick like C-3PO, except he's also brutally honest. Like if you set Kramer loose in Star Wars. Well, you're as pretty as any of them. Just need a nose job. <laughs> And Hu Yang's play it by the book style perfectly contrasts to Ahsoka and Sabine and highlights just how much Ahsoka needs an apprentice that can anticipate and improvise around the needs of their missions. And Ahsoka actually cracked a smile when they had a lead on Ezra. I am very excited for where this show is going. And actually, once again, shout out to the brilliant score by Kevin Kiner. But the episode was not perfect. First of all, last week I talked about how this is not really a show for beginners. Star Wars is getting too complicated for casual fans, as I'm sure Matt Singer will want to talk about later. But also, a lot of Disney Plus, Marvel, and Star Wars shows are not really TV shows. They're like long movies cut up into pieces. Or what does that even mean? Well, a lot of premium cable shows will have like season-long arcs and mini arcs, and then like individual arcs contained within an episode. Andor is a great example. Like the whole season is about Cassie and Andor joining the Rebellion. But there are mini arcs like the prison story or the Aldowney heist, but each episode has its own individual theme and story. The axe forgets, but the tree remembers. And premium cable shows like The Sopranos and Breaking Bad follow this same template. But shows like Ahsoka, The Book of Boba Fett, The Mandalorian Season 3, Secret Invasion Hawkeye, and many others, they don't really tell individual stories in their episodes. The story just kind of stops like it does here in Episode 3. I mean, look, this is a short episode, really more of like a vignette. But you can tell some great stories in short amounts of time. Like how the bear had a single episode that was a 20-minute tracking shot that found time to tell storylines from each character in the show. Now, this episode was about Sabine and Ahsoka, learning to like come together. But without other stories to balance this out, it made it feel like the entire episode was essentially three scenes. We had the training scene, which set up the emotional stakes for the chase scene. Then we had Hera's meeting, which sets up the physical stakes for the chase scene, that they're gonna be all alone. And then finally we have the chase, which like forces them to work together. But like normally a show would balance out an hour long drama with other storylines. We did get a brief cutaway of Hera talking to the senators, but if you didn't know Hera from Rebels, I don't think you're getting to know her as a character right here. And then, even the thing with her son was awesome for Rebels fans, but it's really just like this woman talking to her son. Meanwhile, we're not getting time with Morgan, we're not getting time with Balin or Shin, making this kind of feel like segments of a movie rather than TV episodes. But still, I loved everything we did get in the episode. I just wanted more! But that's just my thoughts. I'm thrilled to be joined here by two of my favorite people. We have Heather Antos, who is the Senior Group Editor of Licensing at IDW Comics and Screen Crush Editor-in-Chief and author of the forthcoming book about Siskel and Ebert called Opposable Thumbs, Matt Singer. So, uh, Matt, I didn't get to talk to you last week about this. I know you're not somebody who has seen Star Wars Rebels or a lot of animated t uh, Star Wars TV. So what are your thoughts on Ahsoka so far in this episode in particular? Um... 
I, I, I feel, uh, I feel like I'm coming in at the middle. I feel like, uh, I joined a class after the first month and I'm struggling to catch up. And the teacher is not, uh, not making any accommodations for my feeling lost. And I'm, I've just gotta kinda, just, uh, watch no going well this might make sense to someone else uh this character might feel more fleshed out if i had seen these previous things um it is it is weird although it it, it is happening more uh, it feels like it's happening more lately to like be someone who's seen every star wars movie uh, every Disney live-action Star Wars show to have read many, many Star Wars comics through the years, and uh, to be like vaguely like lost, or just feel like I don't quite understand. I mean, obviously, I can understand the story, but just like the 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 subtext, the details, the connections between the characters. Um, it's very strange for me to have that feeling watching something from Star Wars, just because. I've been watching it so much for 40 years, and uh, that is kind of how I feel with this show. It's like, um, I don't feel like I'm watching the first season of a TV show. I feel like I'm watching the fifth, I don't know, is it the fifth? Would it be the fifth it's season of Rebels? It's Rebel season five, yeah. Right, so that's, how is that... this affecting your enjoyment of this show, then? Uh, I'm Severely, I would say. I, 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 there's things that I like about it. There are things that I find interesting about it, but there's also a lot that I just feel like um, I feel kind of excluded. I feel like the show is narrow-casted to the fans of Rebels, uh, for the most part. Uh, and it's funny because there's even things that I assume, and then I later find out I'm not even right about that. Like, I, you know, like, I assumed that on Rebels, Ahsoka and Sabine had this relationship as Jedi Master and Padawan. I only found out after the first couple episodes that that wasn't the case. Like it, just, the 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 show made me assume that it did. Like so, even even just sort of making these assumptions, I'm incorrect. Um, so yeah, it just it doesn't feel like a show that makes any concessions to someone like me who hasn't seen these previous things. Which, if you have seen them and you're enjoying it, great. But from my perspective, it it does feel like I'm missing, as I'm watching it, I'm going, I'm missing so much, and the show doesn't seem to want to try to bring me in, in a lot of ways. Um, and that's, yeah, that's just my experience. I would say most stories, thanks for that, I'd say most stories have a fundamental goal, and that is to introduce the character's need and to make the audience empathize with that need. Are you, on a base level, are you getting that with Ahsoka, Sabine, do you understand like what they want and are you empathizing with that desire? I, I, the character that I most respond to on the show is Sabine, because I feel like she is the character that, if not, is not necessarily getting the most screen time, but has the most clear motivations, Yeah, desires, and, and you did a piece wants. on ScreenCrush.com about this, right? You did a piece yeah, about... Yeah, I wrote a whole piece uh, about yeah, it. I right. mean, to me, the, the, the show should almost be called Star Wars Sabine. Like, it, it, it's, like, she's the character in that sort of traditional Star Wars role of this person who has to go on a journey and find somebody or something and and wants something like Ahsoka um I don't I like I yes I get it she's sort of a Jedi she's not quite a Jedi it's not fully clear to me but I know that she left the order or she doesn't do things the the proper way um but like 
why is she doing all this? Well, she's kind of a Jedi, and that's what Jedis do. Like, beyond that, I couldn't tell you why she's doing anything on this show, really. Like, it's just, she's the good guy, she's the Jedi, she's trying to stop the bad guys. But if you ask me, like, what is Sabine doing? Well, I can say, well, okay, she lost her friend in this, you know, and she's convinced that if she finds this other guy who supposedly died but didn't die, that this person is also probably not dead. So she has this very clear motivation for that. And meanwhile, she's, you know, sort of had this falling out with Ahsoka over their master and student relationship. And so she's, you know, has something to prove in that way as well. So I can sort of, like, identify with her. I'm interested in her. But yeah, Ahsoka is just kind of is this very cool-looking, uh, very tough-looking, impressive presence. But... Why she's doing what she's doing, how she feels about what she's doing, I, I really, I could, I could not tell you with any sort of clarity. Um, and so, yeah, it's very strange to be watching Star Wars Ahsoka, where that title character, to me, it's like, it's not even that she's like an interesting mystery. She's just sort of this blank presence. And uh, I do find that a little frustrating. Heather, you're, you're not on the opposite spectrum but, of Matt because Matt's familiar with Star Wars, but you and I are very, very, very deep in Star Wars lore. You created Star Wars lore <laughs> at Marvel Comics. You created some of the most popular Star Wars characters in publishing. So how is uh, Ahsoka working for you in episode three? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Matt's last point in that one of my first notes on this episode is Ahsoka is not the main character in the, you know, and she's the title character. This is so far is not her story. Um, that may change, who's to say, you know, we still have over half the season to go. But I do agree with Matt that in this she is, I wouldn't even say, like, stoic. She's She's even just, like, kind of... She comes across as bored to me, and 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 a lot of it. Um, and uh, but as for the episode itself, I thought it was perfectly inoffensive. It was fun, but it felt entirely inconsequential to me. I don't feel as if we learned anything new necessarily, and we were more so um, confirmed of just like, oh, you know that thing we hinted at last episode that you could probably pontificate on your own? You're right. There is a hyperspace ring. You're right. Like, um, and, uh, and, and therefore I feel like this, though, the space chase was fun. I did like the, de the designs of the bad guy ship. Um, I, I agree. I think Ahsoka doing the spacewalk was pretty silly. Um, extremely, but, but very silly. And in space, you wouldn't arc like that either. You would no, just that's that's not at all how physics work. However, but it's how the force works. But let's just, yes, yeah, yeah. let's not start to... having a conversation about Star Wars physics. That's another episode <laughs> you and I could do. Um, but but it, but it was fun. But it still feels like filler to me. And I and and you can yeah. get away with inconsequential filler episodes in a twenty episode season of Star Wars Rebels. But we only have five to go. And mm -hmm. so I'm just, I'm really worried again at, and we've had, we had this conversation last season with Mandalorian. Where is this going? What is it building to? Mm -hmm. um, are we going to end on just, again, another giant cliffhanger for this season that didn't really amount to anything just to lead into this, you know, this, this movie, you know, where it's all supposed, supposed to wrap up. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I had, I had fun this episode, but I, 
was it necessary? I don't think so. I don't know. I kind of disagree with a couple of points there because for one thing in this show, I do feel like we can see where it's going. You know, they've pretty much laid out the stakes. They're trying to get to Ezra and Thrawn. So at least unlike Mandalorian, you have a definite, we're going here. You know, whereas in The Mandalorian, it was like, well, are we going to go to Mandalore? Is it cursed? Oh, wait, Moff Gideon might be around like in the second to last episode. And the one thing I really did like about this episode was it showed that relationship between Master and Apprentice that we just heard about in the last episode. So there was finally more telling, or sorry, there was finally more showing instead of telling. And Matt, hearing Heather talk about this, I don't understand, you know, how you could possibly be confused. It's very simple. I mean... Before Luke, there was another Jedi being trained by an ex-Jedi who used giant space teleporting whales called Purgil to take an evil guy named Thrawn, who's not in the movies but was really important in the interim between the different movies, and they went to a different galaxy somewhere, and now they're being hunted by Force witches who were also extinct, by the way, who also fathered Darth Maul. What is not to understand about that? It's full to crystal. My, don't my worry, mistake. What I... Ugh. My I was going to say, those four switches were not in the movies either, so... <laughs> no, but they were heavily implied. <laughs> I mean, look, I will say to what, you know, to what Heather was saying, comparing it, this episode or this season of the show to The Mandalorian last season, the part that I totally agree with is that it's just the idea of, like, the focus of these shows seems so... I don't know. It's just strange where you 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 feel like you're signing up for one show and you're handed another show, basically. Um, yes, I do agree with Ryan that I do understand sort of like the stakes. And there does seem to be like I understand where we're going and why and what that's all about. That is I do think that is clearer on Ahsoka than it was on The Mandalorian. But I also feel like just as The Mandalorian last season barely felt like it was about The Mandalorian, I don't really feel like this show is really about Ahsoka so much as it is about these people from this other TV show that who are kind of uh, orbiting around her who um, are sort of she's sort of like you know like moving chess pieces around a board very um, sort of emotionlessly uh, you know and and even the villains of the show um, as you're sort of joking about Ryan like I I don't really understand any of them or who they are or again it's it's very like well they're the bad guys like why is Ahsoka doing this she's the good guy that's what the good guys do why are these bad guys trying to get the Thrawn well they're the bad guys and that's what bad guys do they want the other bad guy they want to get the bad guy to do other bad things like that's all I'm getting that's all I understand and I don't really feel like and maybe the show will eventually explain why these Again, I, they're like sort of Sith. I guess they're, I, I don't really know how to describe the other Actually, bad we don't either, which is one of the oh, fun good. things okay, about see, it. But that's the yeah, thing. Like, well, I that, don't that's, even. Yeah. I don't know. That's cool. <laughs> right. Okay. See, but like, I'm not sure like if that was a kind of thing sort of like Ahsoka where I should know exactly her status as a Jedi, but I just don't because the show hasn't explained to that to me. I couldn't quite tell if I was supposed to know about, again, if they're Sith, if they're not Sith. But those characters, like, they're sort of, they're just very vague to me. Again, their motivations, like, we got a little of their backstory, but why they are doing this, because they're bad, and they that's what bad guys do. Like, yeah. I can't yeah. really explain much more than that. And in terms of this episode, yeah, I sort of agree, you know, when you have an eight-episode show, and, and, a, and one episode is 25 minutes, and about half of it is, like, an elaborate chase in space... 
like, yeah, it, I don't know that I would say it was a wasted episode, but it just, it's sort of a mildly diverting episode where, again, if I don't really understand who's battling who and why, I mean, you can make the coolest space chase in the world, but if I'm not all that invested in what happens in it, uh, am I really going to care? That's uh, well, sort of how I would feel. And beyond that, like, watching the space chase, like, for me, well, it's our two heroes, um, and then w one of the faced bad guys. So we know none of them are, you know, there, there's, everyone's going to survive this. There's, you know, that the stakes felt very low in that chase um, in and of itself. It's episode three. They ain't dying here. Um and uh, yeah, the, yeah, the stakes were more character based about Ahsoka learning to trust sure. her apprentice, you know, which sure. again, I enjoyed. Heather, back to kind of like what I was saying earlier about episode structure, right? You know, Matt's bringing up, we don't really know about these orange sabered people. I'm sure we're going to learn about them in episode six, etc. But the, <laughs> in particular, I was watching this episode and going, gee, I wish we were balancing these stories out better, mm -hmm. you know, like cutting between them a little bit more. Maybe another scene with Hera something in there to like create a running theme throughout the episode instead of it just kind of stopping. Do you think, Heather, these shows are sometimes just feeling like longer movies that have been truncated into small sections? Oh, I Is that part of the problem here? Or? Yeah, I absolutely agree with your points you made on this earlier. And I do want to clarify my, my previous point. I do know the intention is for these characters, you know, to go after Thrawn and Ezra. I just don't necessarily trust that that's going to happen within this season. I don't trust that we're necessarily going to find them oh, within this season. That, you know, is that the big movie? God, that would oh, suck. All of that this would, coming together. That that was that when would I suck. When That'd I watched terrible. when I watched this episode, my and yet again, we're not even close to reaching Thrawn and Ezra. Um, you know, the hyperspace ring isn't even complete yet. Uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, it's like I, Danny I, trying to get across the narrow sea now. Yeah, like, I a thought on my head, I'm like, oh, is this going to be Force Awakens? And we just have the one shot of Thrawn at the end of, you know, episode eight, um, hinting at what's to come. I hope not. I hope, 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 hope not. But I also wouldn't put it past Dave Filoni based on previous storytelling choices that he's made in other, in other seasons. Um, I will say, though, most of the shots from the trailer... We've already seen. I think there's just like, and all the stuff seems like it's going to be in the next episode. There's some fights in the woods. Yeah. Um, and then the Thrawn shot. So we've got a lot of minutes of television, presumably, sure. unless the episodes keep getting shorter, that we don't know what's going to fill them. And I really I hope that you're wrong about some of the things you just I said. I hope I am too. I, oh, geez. Trust me. I hope I am wrong. I hope to God I am wrong. So I want to bring this over to something that's like getting near and dear to all of us. Uh, Matt, you and I talked about this. I don't remember if you actually wrote a piece on it about Star Wars becoming Star Trek, right? And Heather, you currently, you know, your group editor at IDW, you handle Star Trek canon, which is a large, large, unwieldy beast to try to tame. <laughs> I know at the IDW comics, you guys have this great series that like found all these different characters from 90s Trek and you went, wait. There's one year where they're unaccounted for where we can make this canon story. And, you know, with Star Wars, you know, there's novels, there's comics, all of it's canon. So is it going to get needlessly complicated? And can Star Wars find a niche for itself within that? Matt, what do you think? Like, is Star Wars uh, becoming I'm Star Trek? Yeah, that was something we had talked about. I haven't, I haven't written anything about that. But it's something that's been on my mind watching, especially this show, where... 
Um, yeah, it just feels like, I mean, Star Wars I always thought of, and I love both. I love Star Wars and I love Star Trek growing up and still to this day. Same. And to me, I always thought of Star Wars as more like, just more mainstream and broad, you know, broadcast, aiming for a very wide audience. They're playing, you know, the movies are playing to the widest possible audience. And even when Star Trek was making movies, to me, it always seemed like, um, hey, if you want to come and see our Star Trek movie, that's great. But like, we're we're catering to our, our fans and we're giving them what they want. That's always how I felt, maybe until the J.J. Abrams movies, which felt much more like Star Wars movies in that way to me. Um, and I love those. Well, I love two of those three movies. <laughs> um, and I just rewatched the, the first, the first, the leave, first it the leave it a mystery, leave it a mystery. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> first and third. Um, but I just like oh, rewatched okay. the first one and thought, yeah, this movie is really great and it holds up and, um, it does feel a little like Star Wars to me, but yeah, Watching this show and, and, and The Mandalorian the last season, it really does feel like things that are aimed at a very narrow audience of people who have watched that cartoon canon of Star Wars. And, um, you know, listening to you guys, it sounds like you're generally enjoying the show. Um, maybe not as much as I would have thought just based on, well watching it and going, well, this doesn't really feel like it's catering to me at all as someone who hasn't watched a lot of Clone Wars or Rebels. Um, but that's who it seems aimed at. It's like it's aimed at those people who love these characters and wanted more of a conclusion to their story or wanted to find out what happened after the show. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you didn't watch that show, well, you know, well, okay. Well, it's, it's going to look really cool as everything Star Wars does. But that's, you know, it, it does not feel like it's making many concessions to that wider audience, even of people who watch, like, The Mandalorian, the first seasons, you know, at least, where I really felt like anyone could watch, like, The Mandalorian season one who and just mm -hmm. watch it, you know? Like, you maybe didn't even need to know <laughs> the original Star Wars movie, you know? It was a Western in space. I don't know. I'm very curious to see how you make a movie for theaters that follows this. Um, because this already feels hard, not hard to follow, but just sort of, uh, not aimed at a, at a wide audience. Let's put it that way. So how do you make a movie that follows this, that I thought was supposed to be for theaters, that is presumably for, based on what it must cost to make it, uh, has some sort of concessions to, uh, uh, an audience that maybe hasn't even seen some of these TV shows. I, I really, that to me seems like an enormous creative challenge. Heather, what about you? Since you're tied, you've been tied into both these franchises, I don't, I don't mean to imply that being like Star Trek is a weakness. I just want to know how no. does the franchise like continue and evolve uh, in the way that Star Trek has. Uh, yeah. But Star Trek is also, like Matt said, it's a little more niche. Like our Strange New Worlds and Picard videos do nowhere near the traffic of our Star Wars videos. Yeah, I think it all comes down if you go into the core basics of um, the the nature of storytelling that these two different franchises uses. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, Star Wars is very traditional good versus evil fantasy. Um, you know, uh, they don't really give a shit about <laughs> about physics, as as we see in this episode. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's really, you know, every single Star Wars story is good versus evil. Um, the underdog 
versus you know the the great the great power that that be in the galaxy and um star trek is about exploration it's about esoteric you know studies of what it means to be uh, a human um it's it's a lot more philosophical and so that in and of itself um you know star trek is something you have to really sit down and think about if you're going to understand what the, what it is they're trying to say they're not you know spoon fan uh spoon feeding you good versus evil um necessarily all the time and so that in and of itself i think is fundamentally so long as star wars stays very good versus evil fantasy it's gonna it's gonna be more easy to grasp and pick up on however and we did discuss this a little bit too, last week um where i think star wars is getting itself into trouble is it is becoming too referential it is becoming too reliant on um past stories past characters past easter eggs i mean that is my fear on the future of star wars is is it's going to become in order to truly understand it and enjoy it you have to be a you or me you know where we consume mm -hmm. everything um and that's that makes it hard to find new audiences and this is where i'm really optimistic about the future of star wars because if you look at what lucasfilm is planning now that they have a plan mm -hmm. um they're going into the future and into the past they're carving out these eras of star wars that theoretically you can just go to uh, and and for the first time dawn of the jedi you know, the high republic novels are excellent because they take this basic idea good guys have laser swords in space and they're fighting pirates and as long as they do this for creators as long as they're giving them space like out here and say go do what you want it's the unknown regions do whatever you like then i think star wars can succeed but the longer they stay in this era which i love but the longer they stay in this era the more bogged down it'll get in continuity, which is fine for some fans. A friend of the channel, Adam Lance Garcia, loves to say that Star Wars is a restaurant. You can order whatever you want off the menu. It's novels, it's Andor, it's this, it's that. And, you know, I'm starting to think this show is doing a great job of appealing to Rebels fans and people who wanted to see these stories told. But unfortunately, it means that some other Star Wars fans like Matt might get left in the dust. Um, well, guys, I'm going to wrap it up there. Heather, where can the people find you? Yeah, um, everyone can find me at, at Heather Antos on all of the things and pick up uh, some uh, Star Trek comics at your local comic shop. They are truly excellent. And Eisner nominated, correct, this past yes. year? Congrats yes, on is. that. And Matt Singer, where can the people find you? Uh, ScreenCrush.com and various social sites. I'm at Matt Singer. And of course, like I said before, don't forget, Matt is author of the upcoming book on Siskel and Ebert called Opposable Thumbs. Get your pre-order now. I can't wait to read it. But we want to hear from all of you. What did you think of episode three of Ahsoka? Let us know in the comments below or at any of us on Twitter or all the things. And if it's your first time here, hey, welcome to the channel. Please subscribe. Ring that bell for alerts. For Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy. And this is Business Cat. Hello. <laughs>